It is so good to see you this morning and to be with you. I apologize for not being here earlier. I was uh, part of the um, presentation of Bibles to third graders over in the traditional worship service this morning. It's great to see all of you, and thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this worship service today. I want to read a single passage of Scripture in uh, keeping with your series of sermons on Upside Down, the Parables. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32, Jesus says these words. He, Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so I dare to bring these children up here this morning, breaking a little bit with the tradition and thinking that was a great idea. That almost got out of hand, as you saw. Uh, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen when you get children involved. Um, one of the things about children is that they speak the truth as they see it. And um, I remember several years ago, we've actually, we actually have some friends visiting with us today. Uh, Scott and Mary Catherine B. Song and their family are here. They were part of our church, Grace Church in Auburn, many years ago. And I remember a Sunday at Grace Church when I was doing a children's moment like the one I just did. And I was telling the children about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that? how they were put in the fiery furnace and, 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 and so forth. And so I asked the children, I said, well, what would you do if one of your friends was put in the fiery furnace? And this little boy raised his hand and in all earnestness said, well, I'd call the fire department. <laughs> Perfect answer, just as it should be. Jesus told stories that are somewhat like children's stories. When a child says something like that, we have to readjust our thinking to see it as they see it because they're not always able to see it as we do. Jesus told stories that cause us to shift our thinking, to change our perspective, and we call those parables. And the genius of a parable is that it does turn the world upside down and it enables us and really forces us, if we take it seriously, to see the world in a way we've never seen it before. Someone has referred to this as our being parabled. And when we are parabled, we can never go back to seeing things the way they were before. Woods last week talked about who really is lost. Several weeks ago, he preached from the parable of the Good Samaritan. And that, of course, is the most famous of all the parables. And that parable of the Good Samaritan basically is, is just an oxymoron. Because in those days, if you were a Hebrew, there was no such thing as a Good Samaritan. So for the Samaritan to be the hero really shook things up in the eyes of those and the ears of those who were there. Today we look at this parable of the mustard seed. And we could examine this at a number of levels. The first and most obvious level is the fact 
the first principle of the parable is the fact that every great thing starts out as a small thing. Every great thing. There were seeds in those bags, and they are so tiny, you can barely see them. And the mustard plant starts as that tiny little seed. And Jesus says it becomes the greatest of garden plants or the greatest of shrubs. And this is true, of course, in nature, isn't it? I look at these great live oaks in Mobile. They are so wonderful. Nell and I have enjoyed just riding around and walking around and looking at the trees. I hope you don't take those for granted. We don't have them north, northern part of Alabama the way you do here. The way we do here, I need to say that. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. And every one of those trees started out as a tiny little acorn. And now look, it's true of creation itself. The physicists tell us that the universe started at an infinitesimally small point and expanded into all that we know today. And of course it's true in our own lives, isn't it, that, that, that great things start out as small things. Whether for good or for ill, everything starts small in June 1914, a Serbian nationalist assassinated the Archduke, Archduke Ferdinand of Austria-Hungary. And do you know what followed that single action? World War I. There was one assassination that was followed by 15 million people dying in a war. I get concerned sometimes when I hear some of the loose rhetoric from political leaders. Do they realize what could happen if that goes too far? We think about what happened in Charlottesville yesterday. Where did that start? How did that start? It started with an attitude. It started with someone teaching someone to be racist. And yet good things also happen from small beginnings. Wood Sheila and I had the wonderful opportunity to visit with Victory Health Partners last week. David took us there and we enjoyed that visit and we were so impressed with the magnitude of that ministry. If you don't know about it, learn about it. It is amazing. Thousands of people being served who don't have insurance and don't qualify for other kinds of assistance. And it all started in the minds and the hearts of Dr. Lightfoot and his wife. Started just as a thought, just as a possibility, just as a dream, and now it is a reality. I think about our own United Methodist Church. There are 12 million United Methodists scattered all over the world, and it started in the minds and the hearts and really the struggles of two brothers, John and Charles Wesley, back in the 1700s. And here we are today. And so we must be careful how we plant seeds of life or of death. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a seed a man took and planted in his field. Very intentional, very purposeful, very carefully. 
Ralph Waldo Emerson said, sow a thought and you reap an action, sow an act and you reap a habit, sow a habit and you reap character, sow character and you reap a destiny. And that is so true. Great things, whether for good or for ill, start with small beginnings. This is the first principle of the parable of the mustard seed, but I believe there is another. I believe there is here a parable within this parable. But before we can really be parabled by this story, we need to appreciate how those first disciples of Jesus would have heard it. So that when Jesus begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven, a better translation of that really would be the kingdom of the heavens. The kingdom that unites the cosmos. The kingdom that extends to every far reach of the universe. The kingdom that brings the realm of eternity into time and God's will is done on earth as in heaven. That is the kingdom. It is large beyond measure incomprehensible and then Jesus began to talk about the tree and the plant that are like the kingdom it is the great tree that fills the cosmos and so in Ezekiel chapter 17 verses 22 through 24 they appear there on the screen we read about the great tree that symbolize the kingdom of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in its in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make low and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. And so when Jesus' disciples heard this text, this, this uh, parable, they were remembering that prophecy of the great tree, of the great tree that fills the cosmos, of the great tree with its branches reaching up to heaven stretching as far as it can, uniting heaven and earth, and there being room in the tree for all to find a dwelling place. This was their vision of a great kingdom, of a great promise. And I wonder sometimes, can we ever think too big when we think of God? Is it possible to think too big when we think of God? When I was a district superintendent, some of the more audacious preachers in my district used to, used to talk about God-sized dreams. What are our God-sized dreams? And yet, there is something here that is out of step with that vision, out of step with that idea of the great tree. Jesus says, the mustard plant, starts as the smallest of seeds, and it becomes a great tree. The problem is, 
The mustard plant never becomes a tree. I think we've actually got a picture of some mustard. There it is. It's beautiful. The amazing thing about mustard plants is that they start small and within one season they can grow to six to eight feet high. But they are annuals. They are not perennials. And they live and grow for a season and then they die. A mustard plant never becomes a tree. And so when Jesus' disciples hear this and when we hear it, we think, what are you talking about? How, do, how can the mustard plant be, be a tree? We, we know that doesn't happen. And it causes us to have to shift our thinking and to ponder some new possibilities. I believe what Jesus was saying here is that the mustard plant becomes a tree in the sense of functioning like a tree, of fulfilling the role of the tree, of the great tree. And here's what I think Jesus is saying to us. That the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is manifested in things that are smaller, more plain, and more temporary than we have imagined. Smaller, more plain, and more temporary than we have imagined. the lowly mustard plant that lives for a season and dies is a symbol to us of God's kingdom. That the greatness of the kingdom as we experience it is not necessarily in its longevity or its splendor. And we do like grandeur. We love to be lifted to a high place. But I think what Jesus is saying to us is that God is present in the small day-to-day -day details of life. And I listened to Dr. Lightfoot as he described the ministry of Victory Health Partners and the thing that he went back to over and over again, the story that he kept telling over and over again was about the people who would come in the clinic, the individuals who would receive care, and the things they would do for them, the, 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 the medical services they would offer, and the way those services would impact their lives, both physically and spiritually and relationally. And he acknowledged at one point, someday I won't be here. I know that. But I pray that this ministry will continue. It was in that day-to-day -day of the patients who come in. The greatness is not in the fact that they serve thousands, but that they serve individuals who come day by day. I think of our Meals on Wheels. It's an amazing program. Some of you are involved with that. And yet the real experience of the kingdom is what happens in the kitchen, the camaraderie there. It's what happens in the car on the way to visit the families and deliver the meals. It happens in their homes day by day, week by week. Joy for Johnny. Amazing program. And we could brag of that, and we do brag of it. 
But the real kingdom of God is in that moment when the children are here and the families are given respite for those six hours. The kingdom of God happens up here on the stage as the band is playing and we're swept away by the majesty of it all. But it also happens when they're in here rehearsing. When they're in here doing mic checks and and going over songs. It happens in the relationships that are a part of that preparation. The kingdom of God happens in all sorts of small places, in all sorts of small ways. And people come and go, and programs come and go, but the kingdom happens because these details are infused with the very life of God. They are performed by people who yield to God. And in that yielding, God is able to enter in and to infuse that action with divine energy, with grace. And they are able to do it with the power of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite writers is a monk who lived long ago. Actually, he was not a monk. He was a layman. His name was Brother Lawrence. Maybe you've heard of Brother Lawrence. He was thought to be not too bright. And so he lived in the monastery, and they assigned him to the kitchen. And that is where he spent his days. And Brother Lawrence wrote a wonderful book that was published posthumously, The Practice of the Presence of God. And here's one of the things Brother Lawrence said about his time in the kitchen. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying in the pan for love of God. And that to being done, if there's nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before God who has given me the grace to work. And afterwards, I rise happier than a king. However we receive the parable of this day, the message is clear. Small things matter. God is in the details of daily life. And to live with an awareness of God's presence is life in God's kingdom. I don't know about you, but I have such a hard time with that. I seem to always be in a hurry. Do you? I seem always to be thinking about what's next. Do you? And so I pray, God, slow me down enough to appreciate, to see, to realize the divine glory that is in the smallest detail of life. I told my wife the other day that I find great joy in watching her tie her shoes. The reason being 
is that I just sometimes am reminded that I'm so blessed to be married to her. It's such a precious gift. And just to watch her do something as simple as tying a shoe. When I slow down and am present, brings great joy and praise. And we come to this table. It is not a fancy table, is it? Small table, plain fare of cup and bread, nothing fancy here. And yet we are joined to Christ in this meal. We are joined with the great company of heaven. We are joined to eternity. We are joined to the kingdom of God. And so as we come this morning, let us come listening, looking, feeling, tasting that the Lord is good.